0: Well, hello, you awesome nerds. Welcome back to Pitch Slut. This is the fan-made Pitch Perfect podcast because we just love it so much, covering everything from the movies, the actors and actresses, and, of course, the amazing fandom that we have created. My name's Kaylee Hillier, and what a show we have got lined up for you today. Not only have we got some great actor news... I didn't think it was that busy, but suddenly there was like a load of stuff I could talk about. We've also got the second half of my chat with Hansin Akabitches, or as you probably know her, Rabid Nar from fanfiction.net. We're going to be delving into some of her writing and the dedication she has had over the past few years to one fic in particular as well. And also, I have been scouring AO3 and fanfiction.net to find some more fics to highlight this week. And I can tell you what, it has been so difficult. There's so much good stuff being written at the moment. To pick out like three or four fix to talk about was really tough this week, but we're going to give it a go. I'm excited to delve into it. So let's do it. So on actor news this week, first off, I just have to say that Love Life came out in the UK this week. It might seem like old news for some people, but we've been waiting for ages. We've been seeing all the memes, all the gifts online, and not being able to celebrate and just enjoy where all these were coming from. Suddenly, now I have a context for all of the stuff I've been seeing. It's fantastic. And I tell you what, I have thoroughly enjoyed watching Love Life. It's given me so much great Anna Kendrick joy. She looks fantastic in it. Her acting is amazing. And it's just like everything it is so good. And hopefully like it's going to start coming out in other countries so that we can all just revel in the awesomeness that is Anna Kendrick. Also this past week, it was the 8th anniversary of Pitch Perfect. Eight years. Eight years that we have been loving the Bellas Falling in love with all of these characters, the amazing music that has come, and all of this stuff because we watched a movie eight years ago. And what a journey it has been. The highs and, of course, the epic lows that sometimes watching a Pitch Perfect movie has it been worth it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know about you. And I'm here for more, whatever they'll give me. In other news this week, we saw on Anna Camps, Instagram account that here a while the movie she's done recently will be coming out in the UK on the 12th of October so hopefully this means that it's going to start coming out in other countries as well I know watching a interview with Anna Camp that she was mentioning the fact that they were starting to try and push the movie out ...into other countries, so it's really exciting to know that it's coming here... ...and hopefully that means that other countries around the world will start being able to see it... ...because I have heard so much good stuff about how good the acting is from Anna Camp in that movie. I'm very excited to see it, even though it will probably be an emotional wreck by the end. Skylar Austin this week has been teasing his first album. He was having an interview with E.T. Canada where they talked a little bit about, about his project with Disney+. Plus, But he also teased the fact that, especially during lockdown, he has been working on his first album. And apparently he's already got like four or five finished songs and he's ready to go with it. So watch this space as we might be seeing Skylar Austin delving into the music world. Aden Devine's also been on a podcast this week. He was on Anna Ferris Is Unqualified. And on the podcast, he talks a little bit about the dangers of filming his new series, Bad Ideas, on Quibi. He also shares about the art of the hacky sack. I didn't know he was talented in that, but there you go. And he also talks about how getting hit by a cement truck can make high school a lot easier. So if you want to check that out, it's available on a lot of the main podcast platforms places like apple podcasts it is anna ferris is unqualified with adam divine now going a little bit left field if you like pitch perfect two, peter known as falula borg if you know him and follow him big youtube star big online personality he will be doing a big live stream event on the 9th of october called october It's going to be a night of comedy, music and absurdity. If you've seen any of Falula's content, it is completely random and weird. So if you like that sort of thing, you know kind of what you're in for when you sign up for one of his shows. He will be DJing some music. He'll also be taking audience suggestions to improvise new comedy songs, sharing stories, jokes and some audience interaction. If you're interested in finding out a little bit more about the event, you can go over to loopedlive.com and it's happening on the 9th of October. I follow him a little bit on Instagram and he's crazy. I don't know where he gets his ideas from and where the whole personality comes from. So I am intrigued to find out what that's going to be like. Now, if you know anything about Shelley Regner you'll know that she loves Beyonce, like, with a big passion. And this week, she shared a video of herself with her choreography journey, learning the dance routine, to one of Beyonce's big songs. She's calling it Beyonce's Choreography A Journey. And what I love about watching these videos is the fact that she is so dedicated to getting it so right Like, the hair flicks are all there. She's not holding back at all. She is going full Beyoncé mode, and she's got all the moves down. So if you want to enjoy some good Shelly Regner Beyoncé content, check it out on her Instagram profile. That is all of our news for the week. Let's delve into the second part of my chat with Rabidnar. Mm. So last week, we were delving into the world of Colbury... Or Chawbrey, if you really want to call it that, however you want to say it, I'm gonna leave that up to you. And I got somebody from the fandom who's really, really into Caubery, Julicia, aka Hands in Akabitches on Tumblr, and Rabidnar on fanfiction.net. And we kind of expounded upon the world of Caubery, Chloe and Aubrey as a ship. And after talking a little bit about Colby, I then wanted to find out a little bit more about the work that Rabidnar does because she has been in the fandom for a long time, probably since the first movie, and she has been writing fan fiction for about the same amount of time. And there's one fic that she has been writing since the start of the fandom. It was originally called Arrhythmia, and then has kind of expanded to become known as Masses of the Heart. Currently, there's about 150 plus chapters, and it is still ongoing. So this is like a mammoth task that she has undertaken, and she's been writing the same fic for eight years. It's crazy. It's also a little bit different, because it's much more of a thriller-based fanfic than maybe you would find in most of the fandom, and I thought, how appropriate for October... Halloween month, as we delve into some different kinds of fanfics. So, I got to talk to her a little bit about her writing and how she has been kind of building up this fic for so long. What was it about Pitch Perfect that made you fall in love with it?
1: Definitely Aubrey. I feel I relate a lot to Aubrey. So, I mean, that's the whole reason that I ended up even watching the movie. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I saw a few um, videos on Tumblr, and I was just like, "Yep, that's the character for me."
0: That's fascinating because I must admit, like, yeah, I didn't like Aubrey for a while, and then it wasn't until I sort of kind of got in more into the fandom and just Aubrey like grew on me. It was surprising, like Aubrey posing, just kind of like, yeah, and now I'm like, she's one of my favorite characters.
1: See, I relate to her a lot in that way because I feel like people look at me and I kind of rub them the wrong way, and they're just like, I don't know how I feel about you, and then somehow we end up being friends or they at least come to tolerate my existence in some way, shape, or form. Just sort of channel Aubrey, you know? I mean, I really do, right down to the point where I have, like, a jacket that says her name on it because so many people have told me that.
0: So with Chloe and Aubrey, what's some of your favorite things to write about?
1: You know, I don't have a whole lot of stories about them right now. I think I tend to write differently than the rest of the fandom because my stories are all thrillers in some sort of way. They don't connect a whole lot to Barden or the Bellas or anything like that. It's either a completely alternate universe or it's after Barden is finished for them.
0: So you almost kind of take them and put them in your own little world, take these characters that have a personality and and who they are and throw them into situations and see kind of how that plays out.
1: Yeah, I think that's really fun because you get to explore more of their personality and how they would react to different things than you would get to explore when you're writing something more present.
0: It throws the door wide open to so many possibilities. And like you said, just seeing how they play out in that environment. There's not a lot of authors who kind of tackle thrillers or horror stuff. And it's interesting that you choose to kind of delve into that with your writing.
1: Yeah, I've not really come across a whole lot of other stories, at least not with Kabri that tackle that sort of subject. I think I've seen a few zombie apocalypse ones, which were really interesting, but that was probably about it.
0: I know there's like a little bit, you've got Pitch Perfect Horror Week that's, Coming up in in Halloween time, I often find that only really sh- focuses on the Chloe as the main ship. There's not many other people who write stuff from different ship perspectives.
1: Yeah, all I ever really see is the Chloe and occasionally Stabri. It's really hard to find more Cobry or even Mitchin or Triple trouble fan fiction.
0: And for you, for those who don't know, you have been writing a fic that's like eight years
1: go- ongoing. Yeah, I started it back in February of 2013, so it'll be eight years this February. You're crazy! It's
0: literally like almost from as long as the first movie has been out, this story, which is called Matters of the Heart.
1: Yes, the name used to be Arrhythmia, but it became a multiple part series now, so I kind of just made a series name for it, and Matters of the Heart is what the series name is now.
0: As far as I understand, that used to be a Triple Trouble, but now it's a Colbury story.
1: Shipper-wise, I know what I'm doing, but I don't exactly know how to explain it very well to anybody who's not really reading it. There's definitely a lot of Triple Trouble aspects, and right now, where I'm at, it's completely Mitchson. There's no Chloe involvement at all, really. So I'd say it's a little bit of all the ships separately and then coming together as triple trouble as well
0: oh right okay so I think that's quite a challenge because I think a lot of people they have an anticipation of what it's going to be like and so it must be quite a challenge to write something where especially you think ongoing for so long that you could include different ships in there and who knows how the end result is going to be if when you get there
1: Yeah, and I've received a lot of backlash from that, actually, because in the beginning of writing it, I had listed it as triple treble. And then it just kind of took on a life of its own, and it became more cobbery. And then the second part became very Mitchin, And so anybody who's reading this, looking for a particular ship, has just been like, what the hell are you doing?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine, like, from a reader's perspective, then you get this fear of, like, what am I reading? Like, where is this going to go? especially a longer thick I mean, I looked at it recently. You had like 151 chapters of yes. this story. And as a reader, you're like, you want to invest your time into reading things, but then you're also like the nerves of like, where is this going to end up? I have no idea. There's almost the excitement in that as well as, as to, you have no idea how this is going to turn out.
1: And see, I feel that the way that I'm writing it, it's not going to disappoint anybody, no matter what they ship. I think that in the end, it kind of caters to everybody a little bit.
0: It's also quite a different genre than a lot of people would read because it's it's like a thriller. It is. It's a murder mystery. Because it's not set in the Pitch Perfect universe at all. You take these characters and just kind of like put them in this situation, in this scenario, to see how they're going to play out.
1: Post-Pitch Perfect 1. So there are a lot of flashbacks to things that happen in Pitch Perfect 1, either in the movie or what I imagine kind of happened behind the scenes during that time there's definitely not much relation if any to Pitch Perfect 2 or Pitch Perfect 3 because I mean I started writing it directly after the first movie so I didn't know where the second and third movies were going to take their characters so I've had to kind of keep it more along the lines of Pitch Perfect 1 in writing characterization and that's what I flash back to.
0: So, I mean, I I haven't read the whole thing, but I've read bits of it, and you have a really interesting dynamic between Chloe and Aubrey throughout what I've read. Obviously, I don't want to give away what happens later on, but what I think is quite interesting is they seem to have a really close relationship, but Becca kind of, there's a lot of pain there, um, and Chloe and Aubrey process it in quite different ways.
1: They really do. Chloe and Aubrey's relationship is definitely close, but it's also really rocky in the story and that's because of Becca and her existence in their lives they ended up on good terms after a pitch perfect one and then things kind of went downhill again from there
0: one thing I was quite interested with your writing of the story I spoke to Red Lance a few weeks ago and she's been writing a fic called experimentation which is about five years and you've been writing this for eight years one of the things that she mentioned is one of the reasons it kind of got away from her was just the characters kind of overtook the story and kind of dictate a certain amount of how it goes. For you, like, do you have things quite planned out? Or have you found a similar thing where maybe it's just gotten bigger than what you thought it was going to go?
1: So I've had the entire outline planned out since the moment that I started writing it. Um, I didn't realize that people were going to read it. So I figured it would probably just be one of those stories that I started and then I kind of write it in my head after a few chapters and never actively finish it. But it kind of more exploded reader-wise than it did anything else. Um, I've been following the same outline since the beginning. The only thing that's really changed is the minor details and how I get from one point to another.
0: That's amazing. So like for eight years, you know how this story is going to go.
1: Yeah, I've had a beginning, a middle, and an end since the very beginning.
0: Has it stuck quite closely to the skeleton that you created, or has it kind of offshooted in any way?
1: You know, there's only two or three major changes that have really happened, and they didn't change the plot as a whole. Um, Originally, Chloe's parents were basically non-existent in the story, and now they are major characters, and... I mean, I can't say the other thing without giving a major plot point away, so I won't go with that. But also, Aubrey has two friends in the story. Um, Their names are Brian and Conrad. They're a married couple, and they weren't supposed to appear until much later on. And then here they are also being main characters. And that's generally the only thing that's really majorly veered from the outline that I had originally planned.
0: Did you anticipate it being eight years in writing,
1: I mean, yeah, I actually did imagine that with the length of the outline that I have, that it would probably be going on for quite a while.
0: How much longer do you think?
1: I mean, looking at the outline that I have, I probably imagine the story being around maybe 500 chapters. Oh, wow. And it really depends on how quickly I write them, because I did take a two-year break at one point during the story but I don't foresee that happening in the future. So I see things moving a little bit more quickly and maybe not taking another eight years, (laughs) but maybe five or six. That's amazing. Yeah, and the interesting thing is people who started out reading it are still reading it all these years later. I mean, I imagine people would eventually get bored and just say, you know, this has been going on for way too long. I have better things to do with my life now. Yeah, even the people who have stopped writing still kind of stick around and read it, which I mean, that fascinates me.
0: I think also it's fascinating that, like you said, you had like a two year break, which for a lot of readers would be like, you'd be fearing because the story's stopped. um, And yet you still have people coming back as you picked up the story again and, and carried it on.
1: Yeah. When I picked up two years later, I did not expect that anybody was going to come back and read it after that. I thought I would just be writing it for myself at that point.
0: And it's also amazing that you, I mean, although you've had that break, that you've stuck with it.
1: You know, I have um, a thing called hypergraphia, which if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's the compulsive need to write. And the only reason I had a two-year break was because I was put on medication that completely wiped that out. That's actually the reason I ended up not taking that medication anymore was because I loved this story so much that I wanted to continue it and I finally was just like you know what I'm just going to keep on going.
0: So for you do you find it quite therapeutic to be able to to keep writing this story?
1: Yeah it has its pros and its cons writing it definitely sometimes it gets in the way because of how much focus I put into it but I mean, writing it has, I mean, definitely had a huge impact on me with all the friends that I've made through it and how much of my own story I've been able to tell through it. I've met a lot of people, like, offline because of the story and how much it introduced me to the Cobrey fandom. That's amazing. Yeah, we actually, um, a few years ago, back when I lived near New York City, we used to have a thing called Pitch Perfect Week, where the first week of every month we would pick a day and there was like five or six of us that would all meet in Manhattan and we'd just hang out and talk about Chloe and Aubrey and go do different things like ice skating or go to the bookstore. And we had one person that actually like traveled from somewhere really far away that came to meet us and hang out with us.
0: Oh, wow. See, Pitch Perfect just bringing people together.
1: It really does.
0: And Chloe and Aubrey as well, like two, what, what two characters to have? You have written other fics than just the one story. You have got others in your back catalog and you've, you've also written for other ships um, and other fandoms. What other fics that you've written do, would you want more people to read?
1: Um, probably my story, How to Get Away with Mercy. It's an assassin AU, which I haven't seen a whole lot of those in the fandom. And it's, Triple Trouble, but it's established Mitchson. So watching the Chloe and Aubrey dynamic in that when it's actually Aubrey and Becca that I've started out as a couple is really, like, fascinating to write. And I have no outline for that. I just kind of go wherever it takes me. But other than that, all my old stuff is awful. Please don't read it. (laughs) (laughs) I actually switched accounts at one point because I was like, I don't want anybody to see any of this stuff. I'm just going to completely separate and pretend I wasn't the one that wrote that. I really? <laughs> no, we want to read it. That's... <laughs> I will never give away what that account used to be. I can't tell you it was for the Lost fandom, though.
0: All right. Well, yeah, if you're not into Lost, you probably wouldn't look for it.
1: <laughs> no, it's only Lost stories on that account. And once I was done with Lost, I was like... You know what, I'm gonna go pretend I'm a different person now that I know how to write now. So
0: <laughs> Hey, well at least those like laid the groundwork for you moving forward.
1: Yeah, it definitely
0: taught me what people don't like
1: to read. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I tell you what, I have read I don't know how far I got with how to get away with mercy. I started reading it and it's so intriguing because of like you said, the dynamic between Becca and Aubrey is fantastic. And then you've put this little spin
1: on it where they have like an ethical dilemma. Yeah, and like, I feel like the dynamic works with the characters, but it's completely different than how the movie goes. Whereas in, Aubrey is kind of a lot nicer to Chloe than Becca is, and they've bonded, whereas Becca and Chloe have not, not really got along so far. Chloe is not Becca's biggest fan in the story. But also Becca did kind of kidnap her. so
0: (laughs) Which is a completely different take on like a triple travel story where it's normally Chloe, the one that kind of bridges the gap between Becca and Aubrey. Whereas here, Becca and Chloe don't get on very well at all, especially at the beginning and stuff. So I'm intrigued to see how that all plays out.
1: Yeah, it's interesting writing Aubrey as being the one who's bridging the gap between the two of them. And also, I've never really come across a fic that's been established mission before. So writing that dynamic has been really interesting, especially since I have no points of reference or nothing to look at when I'm like, hmm, what do I do now?
0: Yeah, I don't think I've read that before. Because I think a lot of people like writing the idea of them kind of clashing and then Falling in love from there, if that makes sense, or you know, angry (laughs) sex or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I wanted to write something that was completely different, and it's actually based off of three different fan fictions from other fandoms, but at the same time, it's so different from them, and it just kind of works out.
0: Definitely, and so good luck with that one as well, because that one is still ongoing.
1: Well, most of my stories are still ongoing, it's just a matter of if I come back to them or not. I am notorious (laughs) for. abandoning things (laughs) but I'm not going to abandon that one or arrhythmia
0: yeah like you can't abandon arrhythmia you've put so much time and effort into it you need to see that one playing its way through
1: you know there are people that are really invested and some of them know me in real life and know where I live now so I think I'd be kind of scared to abandon it (laughs) a lot of those people have my address some of them have my phone number (laughs) i can't imagine being able to survive if i ever said okay i'm done
0: i'm not writing anymore it's done
1: (laughs) i mean if i go like two weeks without posting something there's somebody texting me saying hey are you alive hurry up i'm bored i want to read something
0: Wow, like you have some persistent i mean they keep at least they keep you going
1: I feel kind of like I'm Chloe and How to Get Away with Mercy where I've been kidnapped by all of these people. (laughs) And it's great because I'm falling in love with them, but at the same time they're a little terrifying.
0: The fear of them there just keeps you writing, you know, it just keeps you going.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it really does. That two year break, I had a lot of text and Twitter messages and Facebook messages and Tumblr messages. And I mean generally they're all from like the same four or five people, but They were very intense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I mean, with the amount of like effort and time I've put into it, it's basically like living a second life. At this point, it's about 50% of what I think about all day long. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Because I don't think it gets as much recognition as experimentation, but it's been going on like four years longer, almost three years longer.
1: Yeah, but I mean, also, it's a little bit hard when you're not writing the Chloe. I mean, I'm very proud of it because... I've had to put an intense amount of work into writing Kabri and actually getting readers because a lot of my smaller stuff, a lot of people don't read it just because they don't know it's there and it's not the Chloe. So I definitely had to put probably triple the amount of work that a lot of people put in their stories just to even have people know it exists.
0: Do you have to put like more effort into publicizing it or just getting it out there? Because not as many people pay attention to stuff that's not the Chloe
1: oh yeah, 100%. Like there's so many people out there that if you mention like any Chloe thick, they're like, yeah, i read that. But if you mention any of mine, they're kind of like, oh, I've never heard of that before just because it's not in the Chloe fandom.
0: I do think it's quite difficult because you just have to watch the movies and there's a lot of Chloe that you can just draw out straight there. And and Becca Mitchell is almost kind of like the main character. So a lot of people hook in with Becca and if nothing features Becca they kind of like move past it but what I found delving into different ships is you just get so many different angles on characters and so many different like things that I mean like I never really got into Mitchson, and then like, like I said earlier I like read one or two and it was just like this whole world just opened up and it's the same with like Colby, like these two characters that you've never really like seen together you've suddenly seen them in a different light
1: yeah it's funny, actually, that you mentioned Becca being the main character because, I mean, Arrhythmia is all in Aubrey's point of view. So you get everything the way that she sees it. And originally it was triple trouble. And then I kind of started playing around with the ships a little bit. And I guess maybe I didn't even word it the right way. But I had mentioned that maybe it won't be as triple trebleish as I originally thought it was going to be. And there was a lot of backlash from that. But I was getting yeah. messages about, well, you might as well just kill Becca off at this point if she's of no use to you. And it's hilarious because the entire second part is all Aubrey and Becca together. But people were just not having it. Like, they had acted like I ruined the entire story from them. And I got a lot of messages. Do you think that
0: that's because people have invested into the story and they've got this fear that, they thought they're reading a triple treble, and the the idea that it's not going to end up in triple treble is quite. They're like freaking out.
1: You know, I don't really know because I mean, it's hard for me to see the story from a reader's perspective. But I feel like the story has been always less shipper focused and more Aubrey centric. The story isn't really about Aubrey or triple treble. Those are kind of just things that happen. The story is really about Aubrey and her past and how she is coping with this whole murder thing that's happening all around her. So I love that. I think was... that's
0: fascinating though because it's a completely different take on like a sh- a ship it, shipper story that I've read where it's really more about one character than the relationships. Although the relationships are there, it's about this one character's perspective in this situation.
1: Yeah. I mean, the relationships are there and I would say that they are very important and they're vital to the story. But at the same time, it's the relationships and how Aubrey sees them and how Aubrey is going through them. Not so much the relationships themselves as being a plot point on their own.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you're going to keep them all alive. Like (laughs) a lot of people have died. (laughs) Yeah, they really, really have. You're going to run out of characters at one point.
1: (laughs) yeah, I just kill off Becca now because I guess she's no longer useful. She's no
0: useful, <laughs> like, yeah.
1: The plot twist is when I kill off Aubrey and still somehow keep the story going.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's still going to be in Aubrey's perspective, but she's dead. <laughs> like, <you
1: know>. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see how I managed to accomplish that.
0: <laughs> well, good luck with it. I hope it goes well. And however long you know it takes for you to write, I hope you enjoy writing it.
1: I mean, like I said, definitely has its pros and its cons. I mean, I write about 13 hours a day now. so.
0: <laughs> oh, wow.
1: Yeah. I always wanted a job where I could write all day long and now I have one and it's okay then.
0: <laughs> and it's great that you like have an outlet for your stories as well. Like, you know, I there's one thing I love about this kind of internet area is the fact that if you have a passion in something you can create something and put it out there and there are outlets for that there's no gatekeepers stopping you from getting out into the world and allowing people to enjoy it
1: yeah I love that
0: do you find it easy to like um chop and change between stories because you've got obviously a number that you're writing and then you might just write like a one shot or something um do you find it quite easy to kind of go between them
1: Not really. I mean, most of my, like, side stories are more just because, I mean, I need a break from arrhythmia. But I don't actually bounce back and forth a whole lot. Like, I'll update my side stories every now and again. I probably update How to Get Away with Mercy a little more than the other ones. But I'm not big on bouncing. And I don't really write one shots anymore. Not like I used to when I wrote them all the time. I mean, I think arrhythmia just kind of took over.
0: It is quite a feat, though. I can't imagine how you remember everything that you've written and kind of keep the continuity with something like that that's been going on for eight years.
1: Yeah. Oddly enough, I remember most of the details. Um, Sometimes I have to like go back, but I'll know like a general area. Like this was mentioned somewhere between like chapter 20 and chapter 30. So I'll just like do the find in page and be like color of curtains, color of curtains, color of curtains. (laughs) until I find one that says curtains. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, what did I say? The color of the bedspread was, what was it again? Like, (laughs) sometimes like i will mess up and i'll ju- it'll just be like a minor minor detail so i'll just go back like 50 chapters and change it and like nobody will notice like nobody <laughs> remembers what the current color was there's a few things i've done that with and nobody has said anything so
0: really because I mean, when i was talking to red Launch, she was like if i mention that the bedspread is the wrong color i get people like messaging me annoyed that i got it wrong and i'm writing the story <laughs>
1: like I think it's just the genres that we write too. like that's kind of something that people might be focused on on her story whereas in my story they're focused on something completely different like there's no time to think about what color something is when somebody's getting shot in the head <laughs> like, what is the time yeah, it's time been your it's been three weeks it's been three weeks they were on the island for two weeks and I think this is their first week getting off so it's been three to four weeks that my story has been over that's crazy yeah, 151 chapters.
0: Eight years to get three weeks.
1: Yeah, I had <laughs> to go back and actually like, there was a point where they were talking about like the amount of days for something and I had to go back and I was just like, this took place over not as many days as I thought it
0: did. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just astonishing to think like, I mean, do you find people get annoyed with the progression of the story? I can imagine it feels like there's moments that are quite fast paced. Um, Yeah,
1: I've only ever had one complaint about that particular thing. And it wasn't really about the pacing of the story. They had just said that I was too detailed. Oh, right. So, I mean, I guess that could relate to the pacing. But that's the only review that has ever said anything about that. There's a lot of people that would be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that all this has happened. And it's only been like three weeks. But nobody's I mean, all my complaints are about a completely separate sort of topics.
0: With something like that, you get so many comments throughout the years or months or whatever, and yet you still have the motivation to keep writing. How do you deal when you get like negative comments? Because like, you don't want it to kind of dictate how you feel and, and your love of the story, but obviously they are there. It must be quite a challenge.
1: I don't get a whole lot of negative comments. And when I do it, they're from the same people. I they're, and so they're still reading. <laughs> Yeah, which confuses me. They just see the story very differently than how I write it, and I try to remind myself of that, but at the same time, like, the comments are just so, like, personally, like, they're more like personal attacks on me than they are more like comments on the story, so they bother me a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, the story's very personal to me. Yeah. a lot of real-life experiences, so anybody who attacks Aubrey kind of, I feel like they're coming at me too. Yeah, and I think it is
0: hard to like distance yourself from the comments sometimes when it's like that, when it can be quite personal.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like, arrhythmia deals with a really hard to deal with topic with trauma and PTSD. And I also try to remind myself that, you know, a lot of people maybe haven't been in a situation that has really been this serious. So they think they know how they would react, but they really don't. So they're out here kind of, Attacking Aubrey, but with no real frame of reference because they have never experienced anything like this.
0: I mean, it must be quite a challenge writing something which is so different from what most people are writing. I mean, when you sort of delve into most of the fandom, it's like a, some sort of love story or something like that. I don't know how many people actually read all of the sort of summary and actually be like, oh, okay, this is like a murder mystery, this is a thriller, expecting there to be a certain amount of ship involved and that's going to be quite a big aspect but you've got all these other aspects in there as well with the story that people aren't aware of so when they delve into it it's just like what the heck is this
1: you know it's interesting being in the pitch fandom i don't feel like i've gotten a whole lot of new reviewers over the years i've always written thrillers and trauma like since i first started writing in 2004 so a lot of people that are reading my thing actually followed me over from the house fandom so they already knew what they were getting into and what I was writing. But I find a lot of people, I start talking to them and I'm like, oh, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> That's happened several times. So they've already gone into my story being like, I know that I'm going to get my heart crushed and nothing's going to be how I want it to. <laughs> so they're prepared. Yeah, they, they're, they're very prepared for the past few years.
0: Because <laughs> I can imagine anybody knew, if you just type in like pitch perfect fanfiction and you end up on fanfiction.net, there's no way that you would be prepared for that type of story because you'll read like a high school AU or another, you know, multiple Barden AUs of people getting together. And then suddenly you, you, you stop at this one and it's like, where are they? What are they doing? Like,
1: like, like, I started out in the Lost fandom where, I mean, on Lost, a whole bunch of people die. You're losing main characters everywhere. From the
0: fandoms you've come through, that's kind of like an expected thing to happen. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like, even the AUs in the Lost fandoms. I mean, you had your high school AU, and, you know, your, oh, they met in a cafe, and it was really cute, and nobody died. But there's still, like, a lot of different topics out there to explore with, like, oh, it's the apocalypse, oh, it's a murder mystery. And then moving into the House fandom, there wasn't a whole lot in the ship that I was in, but it was the same thing. Like, there was an assassin AU that I really loved. There was some supernatural AUs coming in the Pitch Perfect fandom, it's like I saw like two a zombie apocalypse fix one time. <laughs> that was about it. Do
0: you think that that's because they're coming from Pitch Perfect, which is, you know, it's it's a light, fluffy musical comedy?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Like still, even with that, I would have expected like people, I don't know, and other fandoms seem to really love drama and suspense and thrillers. I've spoken to people and
0: I'm like genuinely like scared because you know, they're all just terrified of reading.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. And I love that. That's the kind of stuff that I love to read too. And there's no like content for me to consume. Like nothing out there in this fandom scares me. (laughs) (laughs) You need somebody else to write something that just like, yeah. (laughs) I do. And I keep like saying, Hey, somebody write something like really awful. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me today. Thank you. And a big
0: thank you to Jalissia for taking the time to speak to me about Corbury and also her work in the fandom and her great writing. If you want to find out more about her work, she is Rabidnar on fanfiction.net or you can find her on her Tumblr account, which is handsinacabitches. In It's now time to delve into some more fanfiction as we look at some highlights for the week. <coughs> now, as I've said before... It has been so hard to pick out just a few fanfics to highlight this week. I am just astonished at the great content that is being produced at the moment in this fandom and the work that you writers and creators are putting in to this ship. I love it. It's just filling me with content, so much great content. I'm never tired of just delving into it. So thank you so much for all that you're producing And I can tell you that it's been so hard just to draw out four fics to talk about this week. But we're going to give it a go. Starting off with the fic I watched two people fall in love and one of them was You by The Pocket Dragon on AO3. The summary says, Becca watches Chloe in Chicago kiss after her performance. She had hoped her song choice would change things, but having her heart broken wasn't exactly what she envisioned. Now, I'm giving you fair warning with this story. It is Bacchloe angst. There's a whole heap of Bacchloe angst with this story. So the angst warning is there. Read it at your own peril. I love reading stories that kind of give you a little bit of a hope that the good things would happen in the end. And (laughs) this is the type of story that you don't read, if that's what you like, because it's going to destroy your heart. It's literally based after the Chicago kiss. In Pitch Perfect 3, it follows almost exactly straight on. And it's all from Becca's point of view. As I was reading, I have this, like, hope that maybe somewhere it's going to, like, turn out okay. Maybe, like, everything's going to be resolved. But what this story does is it really delves into Becca's mind. How she saw her relationship with Chloe. And it's so sad at points because she almost 2nd guessed herself. Like, were the touches or the looks that they used to share mean anything to her? Did Chloe feel the same way? You get all this feeling of how much Becca has been pining for Chloe and hoping that if she couldn't say it with words, she could say it through a song and how the kiss kind of destroyed that and how maybe she thought she was special or individual to Chloe And yet maybe there are things that she missed or she overanalyzed or read the wrong way. And it kind of follows on from there of how Becca kind of deals with what she's seen and what that means as well for her relationship with Chloe. It's only a short story, but oh my word, I needed to like take a moment after reading it because it, it is quite heart shattering, but it is very beautifully written and I feel like it really does delve into Becca's mind and if if that is the way she, she was feeling, if her, her feelings for Chloe were that intense, like how seeing something that, that wouldn't just taint the moment, because it obviously tainted the performance at the end of Pitch Perfect 3, but also all of her memories and moments that she shared with Chloe over the years that maybe she thought were more special than what it was and it's just so sad to see how all of that could just be tainted and lost because maybe things were misinterpreted or whatever and and so you just kind of end up with this really really broken Becca and it's sad because you don't get Chloe's perspective you don't know what's going on in her head and whether or not there's anything there. And so you just kind of feel so sad for Becca because Chloe's clearly like moving on and she's excited about Chicago and everything. And you're just there going, No, don't do it. Please save Save Becca, please. And you're just like holding on beyond hope that something's gonna change. But it is angsty. You'll have to read it if you want to find out how it ends and how it all kind of turns out. But If you want an angsty version of what happens after the kiss, that that is one to read. You might need to have a bit of a recovery fic after reading it. That's up to you. But I'm giving you fair warning, the angst is there. The next story that we're going to highlight this week is called If You Took a Sip for Every Broken Promise, You'd End Up With an Empty Cup by Green-Eyed Weirdo on AO3. The summary just says, one word with skip. Now, if you want a little bit more context, there are some notes with this story as it was supposed to be a Bacchloe Week fic taking on the theme cheating and it's based on a Dutch song. I'm not going to try and pronounce the name because I will get it wrong. So you are fairly warned that this covers the cheating genre, but we are also told that they don't cheat on each other. So one of them is cheating. So if you don't like cheating stories, don't read it. It's not worth it. But if you're kind of willing to delve into something a little bit different, and what I liked about this story was how it took something like cheating and kind of just gave it a little bit of a twist, a little different, because a lot of times with cheating stories, it's either they cheat with each other or one of them gets upset because somebody's cheated on them. But this takes a little bit of a different shift where we have Chloe being the other woman. And there's this guy who's married and is kind of stringing Chloe along. And when you start reading this story, there's a kind of a lot of you that's like, why? Why? Because Chloe's so sweet. Like, why would she do this to herself? What's also really interesting about the story is it's all written from Becca's perspective. So you're kind of seeing it from an outsider's perspective the same as Becca, watching Chloe just do this really annoying, ridiculous thing. And just like Beckett, you're like, why? Why are you doing this to yourself? Don't do it. But it's also like a really heartbreaking story because you get the impression as you read it that Chloe's kind of met this guy, got on really well. They're kind of falling for each other and then she finds out that he's married and he keeps making this promise that he's in the process of divorcing his wife So, like, everything's okay. Like, we're just moving on. We just have to wait for the divorce to be finalised. And just like with Becca, you're just kind of there going, what are you doing? He's stringing you along. Like, do you not see it? And taking a character like Chloe, who is so bubbly and happy and confident. Chloe's like the confident one. And what this relationship is doing is just kind of destroying that and just leaving her really broken And there's lots of times during the fic when you're just kind of left asking yourself, like, why? Why are you putting yourself through this? Is he really worth it? And from Becca's perspective, like, it it alludes to the fact that Becca cares for Chloe and she's got feelings for Chloe. And she feels really powerless because she doesn't have the ability to kind of express her feelings and worries about whether or not it would be reciprocated. But at the same time, she's seeing the person that she loves in a toxic relationship, And how do you deal with that? Like, how does Becca kind of process that? Because it's so upsetting and annoying. And, like, you can feel Becca's frustration at this person that she loves just destroying themselves. One thing that I thought was really interesting with this story, and it does make you question sometimes, like, if my friend was doing something like that, how would I handle it? And, like, what approach would I take? And I loved the way Becca dealt with it in the story because I think it would be really easy to kind of judge them and just kind of get really really annoyed and Becca does like Becca gets really frustrated and upset and that comes across as you read the story and kind of what happens along and how she processes her feelings but also what I kind of really liked as well was Becca kind of appreciates that it's Chloe's decision and she can't change what Chloe wants to do or what Chloe feels like she should do. So she'll give her advice, give her what she thinks is right or wrong, but at the end of the day, she knows that Chloe's got to make the decision, like Becca can't do it for her. To see the patience that Becca has in that situation and is still then willing to like pick up the pieces whenever Chloe's left super broken, I think it's just a really, really lovely touch on the story. Because I think it would be so easy for them to kind of lose their friendship and relationship over something like that. Especially if you don't agree with the actions of what they're taking. But the sort of maturity of Becca to just be like, I really, really don't agree with it. And I hate what he's doing to you. But at the same time, like, I'm going to be here along the way to pick up the pieces as much as I can. It's your decision. You get a heartbroken Chloe and... As you're reading, I think one of the things that comes across is that Chloe doesn't feel like she's lovable, which is really interesting because Chloe's like the most lovable character. Like, she's full of love and excitement. Like, that's Chloe Beale, And, of course, it all kind of transpires why she might feel that way. It makes you question, like, how did Chloe Beale get to the point where would she put herself in such a toxic situation? I also really like... The, uh, the usage of the word Skip, which if you've ever seen John Tucker Die, little, little bit of a hint there. And also, like, you're, you're then questioning, like, who is Skip? Who is this guy that is messing with Chloe Beale? Because, like, if somebody's messing with a character that I love, I want them gone. I don't like them. Get rid of them. Take them out. Whatever needs to be done. And I was looking through the comments the other day of this story because with something like this where it's quite a controversial subject it kind of makes you question and think about like how you would react processing what's happening how the characters are being and all this stuff but there was a, like a comment that was made about this fic that I was just like oh my word this is like blown up Chloe Beal and it just talks about the fact that maybe this side of Chloe isn't as like Surprising as we may think, because at the end of the day, in Pitch Perfect 2, when Becca is with Jessie, she asks Becca to experiment. She asks her friends to cheat. cheat. We don't really often cover that as a subject. And I was like, oh my word, well, my mind is blown right at this moment. And we didn't even like cover that whole idea in The Dark Side of Chloe Beale. So we have now discovered another dark side of Chloe Beale. Which is the fact that, you know what, this is from the movie, she asked her friend to cheat. So the idea that Chloe would sleep with a married man is maybe not that far-fetched as maybe we thought. My mind is blown. I'll leave that little uh, bombshell with you. Taking a little bit of a different tact with this next story, it's called Personal Best by We Hope Lies. And this is a Bemily story. We haven't covered a Bemily story yet on the podcast. And I really, really enjoyed this story. This is much more fluffy. If you're needing a pickup from the two more angstier fix that we've covered, this is the one for you. It's fun. It's a little bit different. And there is a good amount of fluff. The summary says hanging out with Becca is easy and comfortable and the best part of Emily's day even more than swimming sometimes, and she knows it's a distraction and a complication and probably the way she gets her heart smashed into a billion zillion pieces. But she doesn't really care. She likes Becca and she can't stop. She doesn't even want to anyway. Or an alternative college setting where Emily is a young and promising swimmer, Becca is an evolved, confident and mature pitch perfect three style Becca, and everyone may or may not be obsessed with emily's muscles she certainly can rock a tank top and snapback combo so this is kind of mostly around emily emily's best friend is stacy and emily's really really focused on her swimming this story is really fun it's fluffy but I loved the way that the writer had done the characters because they just felt so like I would have imagined them to be. Even some like Emily where they've kind of given her a bit of a twist and she's this swimmer and she's kind of dedicated to her sport and she's wearing snapbacks and longboarding everywhere and stuff. It just kind of worked. I could imagine Emily kind of being this kind of focused swimmer type. And I love how awkward emily and becca are in this story it was so relatable because i feel like i could be kind of awkward like that as well it was almost a slow burn-esque type of relationship through their awkwardness it was just really lovely and awkward conversations they have especially at the beginning were just so relatable i love the little bits of banter that they have between them and as you're reading the story you get to see their friendship into relationship kind of blossom And I thought the author had done it so well. It was kind of so subtle how it all kind of transpired and turned out. It was really, really lovely to read. It's also really, really fun to see Becca in a more confident role because I think often when she's paired with Chloe, she's often the one who's the less confident of the two. And so having like almost a senior Becca to Emily was kind of a really, really interesting touch. And not that Becca's like super confident, but in her own Becca Mitchell kind of way. And the little things that she does to just kind of hint that she likes Emily and, and maybe it's reciprocated are really, really sweet. And there's like little parts of the story, like whether it's Becca's music or Emily's focus on her swimming or how she distresses stuff like that, that are mentioned and then kind of woven in later on in the story. And I love how it all kind of ties everything together, especially when you get to near the end. Also... A lot of this starts off because Stacy and Chloe get together. And those two as a couple, oh my word, like, they are quite hilarious. And you can just imagine whenever the author, like, writes the scenes where they're all together, you can just imagine these happening where you've got a very sexually charged Stacy and Chloe because neither of those two really hold back. <laughs> and then the kind of more subtle... Emily and Becca just being like, what the heck? (laughs) And I love how that just kind of all transpires and these relationships happen. The author kind of mentions that, you know, they only know a certain amount of what it's like to be a dedicated swimmer. But I also really loved how you take characters like Emily being a promising swimmer or Becca being dedicated to her music and how they kind of found a connection through their love of something and that dedication, even though it was completely different for both of them, they kind of understood and got a mutual kind of appreciation for each other. And that kind of gave them the ability to really relate to each other and help each other out when they were struggling or having a tough time. Because often I think maybe that puts a strain on a relationship, but here it really helped build them together because they understood to a certain extent And we're able to then support each other through those moments. So it's a really, really touching story. Well worth checking out. And the final story this week is Minding the Gap by Boats Tosa on AO3. The summary says Becca and Chloe end up at a bar for a simple night out. But things change when Becca finds herself overtaken by jealousy. This story is set kind of in the Brooklyn era of Pitch Perfect Becca, Chloe, and Amy living in their Brooklyn apartment. Becca and Chloe decide to go out for a night out and just kind of let their hair down. What I found interesting with this story is it's not like a simple, oh, they're pining for each other, they go out to a bar and somebody hits on one of them and they get jealous. And although those elements are there in the story, I found that it was more about Becca coming to the realization of her feelings through what is happening around her at the moment. And it's almost like she's beginning to recognise it from previous experiences that are mentioned in the story. But it's not like they know the full extent of how they feel yet. So it was really interesting going through this kind of discovery process with Becca as she starts to get this jealousy around Chloe. And it kind of blowing up and coming out in a way that she wasn't prepared for because maybe she hadn't fully recognised or realised her feelings. And as you would expect, there's like a blow up moment in the bar where Becca kind of turns into full on protective Becca. I love protective Becca moments when she's she's only small and yet the red mist comes down and she's just going to like go for it and maybe doesn't fully think about what she's doing at the moment. Luckily it doesn't all blow up in her face, but potentially it does in some forms. What's also so really interesting about the story, after it all blows up, they're kind of left with the aftermath of what's happened. And watching how Chloe and Becca both deal with it is really, really interesting. And what I thought was an interesting touch is the fact that it's not necessarily dealt with straight away. And so there's a big chunk of the story where they haven't resolved what's happened between themselves and it's just kind of festering there. And you've got Becca who's has this inability to talk about her feelings and just can't kind of express where she's at and she's really kind of spiralling because of it. Chloe who wants to be sensitive but also knows that they need to talk about it, get it out there. But also she has her own hopes that maybe are not directly discussed in the story but they're there's like little inklings of it and so you get this impression that there's like feelings there with Chloe as well but nobody said anything and you just get you're just like come on guys come on you've got this just say it just say it you've got it and you're just hoping as everything's transpiring that they will get there in the end come on just find that little bit of hope it kind of plays around with this will they finally admit what they feel or won't they which we love reading let's be fair there's a point where you actually genuinely think this author's gonna leave it on a they won't tell each other how they feel moment and you're just like mortified that becca's gonna let this slip through her fingers and the horror of a reader going through that and just kind of being like don't do it becca like come on you've got this just just say it just let it out of your mouth like come on it's just so close I love the little new takes on a story like this. Those are our fan fictions of the week. I hope you enjoyed it. And I'd love to hear from you if you have any fan fics that you are loving reading at the moment. You, of course, can get hold of me via our Tumblr at Pitch Slap Pod. We've also got an Instagram and a Twitter profile as well as a Facebook page. There's so many ways that you can get in contact. Let me know what you're enjoying reading at the moment. That's it from me this week. We'll be delving into some Halloween content over the next few weeks, which I'm well excited about because it is Halloween. Can't wait. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.